This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Dunedin Yoga Lady. You're listening to Kate Bendel sharing her love and passion and a wee bit of knowledge about yoga. So this show is for you if you already practice yoga and are perhaps curious to learn a little more, but equally it's for you if you are curious about yoga and are not sure if it's right for you, or even sadly if you've tried yoga before and found it didn't give you what you were hoping to find. So my my hidden motive is that, well, I'm making it explicit really, is that yoga becomes more accessible. It is a very profound and powerful practice. And if done correctly, it has application for a wide variety of people. It's got a little bit stuck in the 20-something super fitness industry which is sort of a misplacement so I'm hoping that more people will be curious and perhaps confident to try yoga after perhaps hearing some of the things I talk about on this show so today what we're going to focus on is explaining what might at first seem a paradox that why asana which is the posture parts that most people think of when they think of yoga why asana is not a physical practice. That in fact, asana is a spiritual practice. So hopefully that's interesting enough for you to stick around. So before we get into the meaty part of the topic, I just want to do a brief chant um, for, for us for the session today in the hope of that you hear well the what I'm trying to pass on and that I'm simply passing on the teachings that I have received. Nothing that I'm saying is generated from my own clever brain. This is all just passed on through the lineage and I'm hoping that you get to hear it with an open heart and a clear mind. Sahana Vavatu Sahana Punaktu Sahavirya Garavavahai Tejas Binavati Tamastu Ma Vidvishavahai Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Okay, so let's dive into what I find a, a very interesting idea. And some of you will find it probably slightly confrontational if you're someone who's been practicing yoga <clears throat> in a very physical way before. You may not like what you hear. But other people who 
are wanting to know kind of the deeper meaning behind this practice, this ancient practice of yoga, might actually find some of what I'm going to say illuminating and perhaps even inspiring. What has got me to this point of even having this radio show is a very long, long journey as a yogi, as a practitioner of yoga. I started when I was about 18 and I'm 56 and I'm still practicing every day. But what has happened over that decades of yoga is what I know about yoga has changed and what I value about yoga has changed. And I wish now that I had known some of the things I do now right from the start because there was a few years there, I would say that my focus was in the wrong place and I wasn't really making the progress that would have been possible had I known what's actually behind this practice. Why do we do this practice? And what makes it different from, say, Pilates, from, from say, Feldenkrais, from embodied dance? because it is very different and yet somehow we don't all get to know that when we first start practicing. A lot of us enter the practice of yoga through those asana, through the the practices we see of the body positions and we, we come across it in all sorts of places. Sometimes it's in a yoga studio, quite often these days it's from YouTube, um, maybe a gym, or there's still some of us teaching out of community halls. And the the physical practice, the asana, is a significant part of the practice. But if it's practiced and done and taught in a way that is the same as exercise, the benefits that you get from it are going to be quite limited. So you probably also heard and are aware of all the things that yoga says it can do for you, you know, ranging from a path of spiritual enlightenment to awakening through to reduce stress, to cure insomnia, to balance hormones. There's a raft of things that are attributed to what can happen if you practice yoga. I would say with some confidence that not all of those things are going to happen if you practice yoga just like you would practice Pilates. And I want to make it clear, I'm not knocking Pilates. Actually, I practice it myself. I think it's a really, really good practice. And it's very clear about what it is. It's there for your physical body. Yoga is more complicated Yoga was established and is a system that is addressing all the dimensions of the human system. So it is addressing the energetic body that some people will even struggle to accept that there is one. (laughs) But yoga addresses the, the energetic body. Yoga addresses the physical body. Yoga primarily addresses the mind and as an aspect of that, the spiritual dimension of the human being. And so it's far more complicated than a black and white physical exercise. Doing the physical posture, what we call asana, is part of a far bigger 
comprehensive practice and it's done for a purpose and the I want to talk to you today what, what distinguishes a yoga practice from some other form of physical exercise that you might do. And again, I'm not making this up. This isn't yoga according to Kate Bendel. This is yoga according to Patanjali. Some of you may have heard me mention Patanjali before. Uh, Maharishi Patanjali was a sage thousands of years ago, and he collected what was already known about yoga. Yoga was very widespread at that stage. And we need to understand that wasn't people sort of in gym gear doing fitness things. It was people doing a lot of inner practices. There were some asana going on, but it was a, a very deep, thorough practice. Very varied as well. So he collected all the information and he put them together in this um they're called um, aphorisms. They're like very short sentences that are very dense in meaning. It's in Sanskrit. And they basically have got the whole thing. They tell you exactly all about what yoga is. So before we go into, again, the actual, what the yoga sutras are saying about it, I'm going, again going to do a short chant that just honours these yoga sutras, and then we'll talk about them. Yasyakva Rupamadyam Prabhavati Jagataha Anekada Anukrahaya Prakshena Kleshara-shihi Vishama Vishadaraha Anekavakrasupoki Sarvagnana Prasutihi Pujaga Parikaraha Spritaye Yasya Nityam Devohishaha Savovya Sita Vimalatanuhu Yoga Do Yoga Yuktaha Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham Malam jari rasya cha vajya kena Yo pakarotam pravaram muninam Patanjalim pranjali ranatosmi So what Patanjali has to say about the asana aspect of yoga is really contained in two sutras. So he doesn't say a lot. Out of 196 of them, only two of them really focus on asana. So it's important to really know what he's saying because it's obviously significant. So the first time he mentions asana is in Yoga Sutra 2.46. And it's basically saying for something to be considered an asana, or you may know it as a posture, it has to have the dual qualities of sthira and sukham. So the actual sutra is simply sthira sukham asanam. So that means an asana must have sthira and sukham. So what are these things? So sthira is steadiness or stability. And sukham is ease. 
or comfort. So when you see someone, perhaps you may have seen someone on Instagrams is particularly fabulous for this, someone twisted up in some weird contorted thing in some gymnastical looking posture, it's worth considering, have they got stira and sukkim? Is there steadiness and stability there? And is there ease and comfort? Or is it the minute that the camera's off that they fall out of their pose going, oh my God. Quite often when people are pushing themselves into postures that they have seen, they see what the posture looks like from the outside and are not given the right guidance. There's this kind of effort to make the body mimic what they've seen in somebody else's body. Really, that's not yoga. What yoga is asking when you go into an asana or a posture is that you're, you have stability, which means if necessary, you could stay there for 12 breaths, for 24 breaths, for even 36 breaths. You wouldn't necessarily, but that's how much stability that you have in that asana. And also that there's comfort. Asana, one of the definitions of the actual word means seat, to come and sit by. And so it's this idea that you arrive at a posture, a place that you can be really comfortable and steady and stable. And the, the good thing to know is it's not just talking about the physical body. So that degree of stability and ease is, yes, it's meant to be in the body. It's also meant to be in the breath. So sometimes we can not be sure or we can even trick ourselves with the body we can override the body with the mind and hold in positions that perhaps are a little uncomfortable or actually not that steady but we can grip and kind of charge on and push on through and I have seen people do this in yoga classes you can't do that with the breath the breath you can't override and trick your breath. It is an honest reflection of what's happening in your physiology. So if you keep the breath steady and smooth, that is one way to know that you're actually practicing asana as it was meant. And also we're hoping to have this stira and sukham in the mind as well. So what, what, how do you have a comfortable and steady mind? Basically, it feels peaceful. When your mind is steady and at ease, it feels peaceful. So those are three ways of checking in with yourself again and again when you're doing yoga. Have I got ease and stability in my body, in my breath, and in my mind? And if I have, yes, I'm doing what you could call asana. And if I haven't, I need to make some kind of adjustment so that I can be doing what's called asana, which is yoga. Otherwise, you're kind of doing something else, which maybe that's okay, but I think it's good to know if you want to practice yoga as it's meant to be practiced, how do I do it? And the other sutra that Patanjali talks about in terms of asana is the following sutra, 247. And in that sutra, he's talking about, well, how? How do we get these two qualities? It's all well and good to know that you want them, but how do you get them? 
and in Sutra 247, Prayatna Shaitilya Ananta Samapati Pyam. What that's basically saying is that you need to put in appropriate effort without tension. So that's one of the qualities. That's Prayatna, that's putting in appropriate effort. Um, and Shaitilya means in a relaxed kind of way. So that again, appropriate is a quite an interesting word to consider when you look at yoga. Yoga has become so popular that sometimes it's not clear what's appropriate. And what we see a 20-year-old doing is almost seen as the standard. Yoga has become standardized to some degree to this kind of fitness gymnastical thing. What Patanjali is saying is appropriate means that the yoga matches the person. Not that the person tries to match the yoga. And so standardized yoga, we need to be really careful about. So hopefully when you're in a class and with a teacher, they offer adaptions or adjustments or different ways of doing the yoga so that you can get the, the, the function out of the posture, not the form. It doesn't have to look like it looks in some of those glossy magazines. But what it does need to be doing is giving you access so that you can have stira and sukham when you're in the posture. If you've twisted yourself and contorted yourself to try and look like the other people in the class or what you used to be able to do 20 years ago, the chances are that you're not actually accessing yoga, that you've gone into something else. And... What yoga also says, which is very interesting, and this, this is probably my favorite bit, is that this idea that you are ananta is what are you focusing on? You are focusing on the infinite. So while you're in the posture, you are meditating on the infinite. Now, that's a fairly wide open statement, which often the yoga sutras are. They're not directing you about what your spiritual experience or path should be but they're saying it should be there it's part of it quite how and what shape and what name and what form is up to you but when you are in asana you're not focusing on your hamstrings one of the definitions and one of that has been offered which I quite like and works for students is one of the things that is infinite is your breath so there is no start and there is no end to your breath. So if you can focus on your breath while you're doing asana, you are focusing on something beyond the body. So we are using the body to get beyond the body. And if you, so there's sort of two reasons to be focusing on the breath. So one is that it can give you direct and immediate feedback. Have I got serasukam? Have I got ease and steadiness? Like, has my breath got a nice rhythm? And is it even? Or is it erratic? Is it coming in gushes and rushes? And it also <clears throat> gives you this possibility of moving beyond your physical experience into deep meditation of something which is beyond. 
which is where a lot of the benefits of yoga come from. They come from transcending the physical body and giving you a direct experience of some other deeper part of yourself. So those, those things are accessible to anybody. So working and doing your yoga practice in that way ensures that you are doing it in a traditional way, in the way that you, the origins of yoga came, how people in India still practice yoga today. And you don't need to be particularly fit or supple or young to practice in that way. Um, I've taught a lot of students over the years and continue to teach a range of students. And one of the joys I see is of people, as they age, our body does become less flexible and it does become weaker. It just kind of happens. Yoga doesn't say, oh, well, forget it, you can't do yoga now. Yoga then opens the door into the deeper aspects of yoga. and there's a lot of practices that you're not even moving the body, actually, that you're focusing on the breath and inner energy. So even if you're in the earlier stages of your yoga and you are really fascinated and into the asana part and you're going to a physical practice every day and you're, or, you know, weekly, do it. I mean, it is an essential part of yoga. I'm not knocking asana, but I'm just hoping that you can hear from this that it's how you do it. The how will then either lead you deeper into the path of yoga or it will just leave you kind of stuck on a physical level. And some people do get a bit stuck there and then they just start getting kind of obsessed about the minutiae of the physical practice. And, and they don't get the benefits of going beyond the physical body and finding what's beyond. So hopefully that wasn't annoying if you're someone who's really into your physical practice and just wants to do it in a physical way. I mean, help yourself, go for it. But I'm hoping that perhaps it, for some other people it opens a, a, some, sheds some light on why is this different? than some of the other practices so thank you for listening you've been listening to kate kate bendel the need and yoga lady if you are curious about practicing in that way at the moment all my classes except my local port Chalmers one are up at new yoga that's a um, beautiful studio that's above taste nature they've got a really good website all the details are on there um, and it's spelled N-U, so new yoga. And thank you for spending time listening with me. And I also have a website, the Nuneedin Yoga Lady, and on there, there is a way to get hold of me if you have questions or there's something that you would like me to cover um, on a next show or a show in the future. I'm really happy to respond to what you're interested in and what your curiosity is. And so as we finish, I'll just give a very brief chant just to thank the lineage from of my teachers where this came from. Oh, Sri Guru Pyo Namaha.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.